name is Jasmine Hill. And one thing about the hustle, that it can be hard, it can be scary, but you can do this. You're now tuned in to The Girl Behind the Hustle, the podcast created to encourage, celebrate, and share real stories from the women behind the hustle. I am your host, Lucretia L.C. Thomas. Thank you guys so much for listening week after week after week after week. I appreciate it, y'all. I appreciate it so much. I hope that through listening to all of the amazing women's stories that I've shared on this podcast, that you've been motivated or inspired in some way just to go after whatever goals you have, big or small. I just hope that you've had that experience and have received that motivation. Because we are down to the last two podcasts for this season. And so we take a break for a little bit, interview some more amazing guests, and come back. So today on the podcast, I'm sharing another amazing woman's story, Jasmine Hill. Jasmine Hill is a life coach, author, and founder of The Fear Huddler, a brand dedicated to teaching women to defeat fear and self-doubt so they can take action and do the work that they love. After getting fired from her dream job and overcoming a few fears of her own, Jasmine recognized how her God-given talents will lead her into a wealth of entrepreneurial opportunities. Jasmine began her coaching business shortly after getting her certification in 2015. Her willingness to help others see their potential led her to begin capturing unique clientele that sought to identify their self-imposed limitations and barriers to progress. Jasmine's articles have been featured on lifehack.org, Blavity, and 2190. In 2019, Jasmine released her highly anticipated book, The Roller Coaster Effect, how to turn your fear into fuel, your passion into purpose, and enjoy the ride of life. In between actively working her brand, you may find her on the campus of Johnson C. Smith University as an adjunct professor in the Department of Health and Human Performance. Jasmine is a renowned speaker and member of Toastmasters International, the International Coaching Federation, and Delta Sigma Theta Sorority. Listen in as we discuss how to remain resilient when everyone else around you looks like they're winning, why it's important to be grounded in faith, and how losses don't really count. Hey, Jasmine, how are you? Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Um, It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm excited to get into our conversation today. Thank you. So I just want to start off by asking to tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Jasmine Hill. I am a life coach, author of The Roller Coaster Effect, and also founder of The Fear Hurdler. Um, And really what I do is I teach women how to defeat that self-doubt and fear so they can take action and do what it is they love to do versus uh, being unfulfilled and the woulda, shoulda, couldas, and I wish I could do that. But so getting people through that hump to really just do what they love to do, whether it's uh, launching ideas, start a business, uh, whatever that looks like for them. Awesome. And then kind of break down your hustles a little bit. So you, I know you wrote a book and then you also have the fear huddler. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what those are? Oh man, I've always had a hustle, man. <laughs> I've always had a hustle. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I just wrote my book, uh, The Roller Coaster Effect, How to Turn Your Fear into Fuel 
your passion into your purpose and enjoy the ride of life. Um, I really started off, uh, I guess, my entrepreneurial uh, endeavors as a blogger. Um, so the Fear Hurdler all started as a blog. So that's one hustle. I still love to write. Uh, my other hustle is that uh, I'm a life coach. So I, uh, the Fear Hurdler has kind of transitioned into that coaching practice. So I do a lot of one-on-one uh, coaching uh, to women and also uh, getting into workshops. Uh, my other hustle is I'm a speaker. So I've been doing a lot of different events uh, from uh, women's conferences to churches to, I mean, you name it. Um, I pretty much started to get my toe in that. Uh, and also a random hustle, I'm an adjunct professor. So I'm a, I'm a, oh, wow. I'm a college professor um, in the Department of Health and Human Performance. That's what my degrees is in, uh, in sport management, uh, sport administration. So I teach at Johnson C. Smith University. Uh, so I got a couple of different hustles going on. But yeah, love, you definitely do. <laughs> love doing it all. Love doing it all. And let's talk about kind of leading up to um, this journey that you're on right now. Um, about the moment when you had a conversation with your boss about how you no longer wanted to be in sales when you're still working in corporate. Um, where were you with that space? How did you get to that moment? And what was your plan at the time? Yeah, so I um, that kind of happened. I was working with the Charlotte Hornets. And uh, like I said, my background is in sport administration. And I was working in, in this program called the Inside Sales Program. So you work this program for 10 to 10 months to a year. And after that, they promote you to, uh, you know, account managers of different sorts and different departments. So I, I wasn't happy. I, I mean, I had been happy in this role probably like after the first, you know, the honeymoon phase had died down, like just sitting at my desk, just making the same phone calls over and over uh, was draining to me. I, I didn't, I wasn't able to use my creativity. Like I had to be chained to this desk and on this phone. So I knew that this was not, this wasn't it. Like this wasn't mm -hmm. it. So I'm like, I, my manager's down my back because my year's coming up and he's like, so like, what's the next step? Like, what, what do you want to do? And I, it, what kind of led up to that to kind of give me that courage to tell him it wasn't for me. I had called this lady Actually, I called, it was, I was looking for a husband to follow up on, uh, they had came to a basketball game, so pretty much, I was just trying to sell him some tickets, and uh, she was on the phone, she answered the phone, he wasn't there, and she wouldn't let me off, so I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> I'll give him a call back later, and she was like, oh, you know, whatever you had to talk to him about, you can talk to me, and I'm like, golly, right, because I'm the <laughs> wife, you can run it by me, right, like, just let me go, just, you know, don't even, I ain't even trust it, right, so, <laughs> she was a chatty person. So she, we're just talking and, um, you know, she's telling me about, you know, her raising her grandson and this, that, and why they came to the game. And then like the conversation turned like right, really a sharp, right. And she's just like, out of nowhere, she goes, I know you're covered. And I'm like, what? <laughs> she's mm -hmm. like, you have a family full of praying women. And I was like, we ain't told nothing. Like, I don't know this lady at all. Like, she doesn't know anything about my family, but that exactly like what my family is. Like my mother is a praying woman. My grandma was like, um, that's the, the background that I came from. So we start talking about um, God and just faith and something in my spirit woke up was like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And mm -hmm. so at the end of our conversation, she prayed for me 
And after I hung up that phone with her, I was just like, okay, I know what I need to do. So um, had a meet with my manager and I was like, so yeah, this ain't gonna work. And right. like, that was the unspoken thing. Like if you came in to do sales, like that's what you were going to do. And if you went any other way, because a lot of sport management um, programs will tell you, hey, this is a highly saturated field. If you want to get into a sports team, uh, the sports industry, get into sales because they're always looking for hungry people and then navigate your way. But uh, my organization, my director at the time, like he went down for it. So I had pretty much like put myself out there and uh, I didn't have a plan. Like I was just like, you know, I just know that I can't do this anymore. So I told my manager, hey, you know, I can't do this anymore. He was like open to it. He was like, cool, you know, like, you know, we'll look at, see what other, you know, what a good fit for you. And we left the meeting and I was like, oh my goodness, like maybe it wasn't that bad. Um, Until the next day, uh, I get called into the office with my manager and my director and my director pretty much is like, your heart's not in it. Like, if you don't hit the sales number, which was like two to three times our monthly number, our, uh, our uh, quota that we had to hit, um, then I'm, I'm going to have to let you go. So 30 days later, <laughs> it was a wrap. It was a wrap. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like in the meantime, I had been looking for, you know, what I thought I wanted to do. I was like, well, maybe I'll just get into marketing. Um, sport marketing, because that's what I did a lot in, uh, in undergrad and in a lot of my internships, but nothing was falling through. Like everything, like I would get so close to getting an interview or getting a call back and things would just fall apart. So here I am, no job. And it wasn't one of those jobs like I was making money so I could like put money to the side and like really stack up. Nah, like I was making $7.50 an hour. Um, and then we got commissions, but you only got commissions when your accounts were paid in full and most people went on a payment plan. So, oh man, right. So I'm broke. I ain't got no job. I had no prospect of a job. And I'm like, what, in, what am I going to do? And that question, like, what am I going to do with my life kind of led me on this journey and, uh, later led me to start the fear hurdler. And what about that space kind of between when you're at that last job in starting the fear huddler, what was that like? Did you lose courage? Did you lose faith? Tell me about that time period. Man, it was it was down. You, you know how Facebook memories was will tell you or like show you um different uh you know like statuses you made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had one uh actually like yesterday and it was from like around this time and it was just like really trying to hold on to the faith, but I have to keep my head up knowing everything's going to be all right. Like it was something like that, but it Mm -hmm. was honestly, it was probably the darkest space I've been in, in my life. Um, I'm a very outgoing person. Like I I just had one of those just outgoing personalities. And I was literally like, I didn't go out. I didn't hang out. You didn't see me at no brunches. It was summertime. You didn't see me at no pool parties. Like I was in the house. The only place I went was to the grocery store, uh, maybe to the fitness gym in my apartment complex and to church. And um, church is really where I found my hope at. Um, And I kind of ended up there like by accident um, because my mentor at the time, she had just had surgery and she couldn't drive to work and and, um, to church. And so she asked me, hey, 
Jazz, can you take me to church on Sunday? So I would take her to church on Sunday, mostly because I knew uh, we was going to go out to eat afterwards. And I was going <laughs> to pig out. Uh, but I just found such hope in, in, in being in church every Sunday. Like, that was the only thing that, like, kept me and kept me, like, my head up knowing that, all right, like, you can make it through this. So I was unemployed for probably, like, three months. And during that time, like, so much inner working uh, started, like, I started to change as a person. Like, I started to pray more, started going to Bible study. Um, and it's just crazy how it took something this drastic for me to go back to who I knew that could help me. Like, as they say, like, when you hit rock bottom, the only other place you can go is up. And, mm-hmm. and I really hate that it took for me to lose my job and be unemployed for me to turn back to God and really have a, a relationship with them. But really like, that's what, that's when I really started to learn God for myself. And so I really started, you know, getting into my Bible, praying more, and I just started to change and to evolve as a person. So um, I uh, then took a temp job with, um, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So banking is really big around here. So took a mortgage industry job um, as a temp just to get some money because my mama ain't Oprah. And uh, <laughs> I already told you, know. I had no money, right? <laughs> right. So um, I'm working this job and, you know, like it was, it was, it was pretty good pay. But it was really robotic. Like I, I come into work, I literally do the same thing day in, day out. And I'm like, man, like I'm still at the time kind of looking for different sports jobs. And one day I was writing cover letter and I was like, you know how you want something to be really good. So you're like, yo, mm-hmm. all right, let me make this really, really good. Cause dock it up a little right, bit. Right, <laughs> right, right. So I'm trying to pull some emotion. I'm trying to pull some passion out. And so I'm sitting there trying to pull these emotions out to write a great cover letter. And I asked myself, like, why do I really want this job? And the only thing I can think of was because I had a degree in it. And so I was like, dang, like, I feel like if I go for these sports jobs, like, I'm going to find myself right back into the same um, predicament that I've been in, getting a job, hating a job, finding a new job. So that's when I really began to seek my purpose, like, because I didn't want to be that person at the same job for 30, 40 years, hating what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started reading a lot. So like I went from reading like one book a month to uh, almost a book a week. And I just started to, uh, I, it was like almost like an awakening. And I started to see things from a different perspective. And that's mm-hmm. when I figured out like my purpose has been in my face the entire time, but I was so blind to it because I was focused on something else. So um, that's when I realized like my natural ability um, to like pull potential and greatness out of people was always there. Like I, I I was a grad assistant at a university and students would come to my office all the time asking me questions about life and we would have a conversation and I would, you know, leave them with some accountable action Next time I see them, I'm like, yo, how did that go? And they'd be like, yo, Jazz, I can't believe, like, that was so dope, and bam, bam, bam. And that one made me so happy just to see them walking and doing something that they never thought that they could do. So um, long story short, uh, I started writing that time that I was unemployed. I had picked up a lot of pounds. Like, I've been an athlete all my life, so 
like gaining 30, 40 pounds was like noticeable. Like I'm literally splitting pants at this point. So I'm like, <laughs> girl, get your life together. So um, I started working out and um, I started this newsletter at work called Fit Fridays. And uh, everybody would read it and they'd be like, you know, you should do a blog. Like you should write more. And I was like, man, I ain't no writer. Like whatever. And uh, one day my friend came over and he was telling me about how he hated his job and he was looking for a new job, but the job before that, he hated it too. Like he was going from job to job. And uh, the theme of runaway employee came up and I was like, man, he's a runaway employee. So I just kind of wrote down some of the uh, conversation and some of the tips that I gave him. And I, I just sent it to like my brother and my cousin and one of my line sisters and they all read it and they were like, Jazz, you need to start a blog. And I kept like putting it off, putting it off. And finally, I was like, well, maybe I need to start a blog. Like maybe I, I need to like share some of this wisdom, um, some of these tips and tricks and, and how, you know, how my life evolved once I, I realized that there was something bigger out there for me. And I wanted to encourage and motivate others to do the same. So uh, that's kind of how the fear hurdler started off. Okay. And then talking about um, fear, what role has it played in your life and how did you overcome it? Man, like fear is like one of those little, like is so nagging. Like once you get rid of it and then you kept, keep going on your path, it always pops back up. Like I think of like the little red riding hood, like the big bad wolf came. And then once they took down the big bad wolf, when she went to go see her grandmother next time, guess what? Another wolf tried the same thing. But the next time she was more aware of it being a trick on her. And I, I think of fear in my life as the same thing. So even when I started the fear hurdler, um, that same thing kind of happened because I was thinking more about my insecurities um, mm -hmm. because I, I, I've never been, I never felt like I was a strong writer because back in elementary school, like I was in remedial language arts. So like my insecurity was always like, I don't want to go right on the board because I don't want to misspell something or like, I, I, I just always felt insecure about writing and grammar there and there and then, you know, all those things, yours, yours, you mm -hmm. know, um, so I was always insecure and that kept me from really putting myself out there at first as a blogger, because I was like, literally, you're doing the one thing that you're, that's your biggest insecurity. So um, for me, I had to really look at, um, I like to ask, I, I like to do this, this thing with my clients is, is it a fact? Like, is this truly a fact? And when I really looked at it, it wasn't. It was a lie. It was a lie. Yes, it was true in the third grade that I wasn't a good writer, but guess what? I've written the research papers. I have two degrees. Clearly, I have the ability to write. So yes, it was true in the third grade that I wasn't a strong writer, but it was irrelevant to now. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really find the truth and what the lie that fear was trying to tell me. And once I saw that, I was able to overcome it. And I have to do that anytime. Like once you overcome fear, it's not like you de defeated fear forever. But now, like I said earlier with the little red riding hood, now when fear comes, I, I can tell it's coming. So like me releasing this book and, and having a book tour, 
uh, some of those things tried to come up to stop me. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This is starting to look familiar. All right, let me see the truth in all of this. And is this fear just saying this or is this really a fact? And when I see that fear is really just telling me lies to stop me in my tracks, I then notice the truth and the full perspective of what I'm trying to do. And it helps me get over those fears. I think that's so important because especially I think sometimes people think, you know, once you get past fear that, okay, now I don't have to deal with that ever again. Right. Like it will keep, you know, reappearing. And then you just have to remember what you did to get past it the first time. So I love that you shared that. And then about just sharing your other lows as well as your highs, just so people can understand the waves of our growth. Right. Let's talk about the struggle. Like was there ever a time that you felt like quitting or maybe you suffered a loss or felt unfulfilled or confused about your path? Can you tell me a little bit about one of those moments? <laughs> it's funny. Cause it was like, right after I launched, uh, you know, when you launch anything, usually that first response is like huge. Like you like, yes, yes! Mm-hmm. Like, you, you mm-hmm. know, you that validation kind right. of instant gratification. Right. Like you lit out here. So I, I experienced the same thing. So, I launched the Fear Hurdler in that October. So, like, everybody's sharing it. People are talking. they like, yo, I love it. So, I was like, damn, like, this is this is the bomb. Mm-hmm. Well, by December, I was looking at my analytics, and it seemed like I was – my mama wasn't even reading it because my mama don't be <laughs> on the internet. Like, my mama's old school. But literally, I was the only person reading my blog. Like, every day it would be, like, one, zero, one – to and I was like wow like I'm I'm literally like putting everything like I'm working hard um I'm staying up late I'm waking up early I'm doing everything what the influencers say you need to do when it comes to growing the blog and mm-hmm. ain't nothing happening so I was like you know what you know I'm like I I did it I gave it a, a honest effort and I'm about to go back to chilling because this is hard work and this hard work is going in vain. So I'm I'm good off of it. Well, right before I, I gave up on it, I forgot that I had submitted to be a um, guest writer on this website called, website called lifehat.org. And so they had sent me the email like, oh, you've been approved, blah, blah, blah. Submit your first article. So I'm like, I right, I mean, since they already sent it to me, let me throw something out there, you know, but Overall, in my head, I was already done with the fear hurdler. So I'm sitting um, there thinking about what I can write about. And I came up with this thought of um, writing a book. Like, like I said, I, had, I was reading tons and tons of books. And people kept coming to me asking me uh, for book recommendations. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just go in my library, find 10 books that I really, really love. And, and, and that would be my first article. So um, I wrote this article called um, 10 Books That, uh, what is it? Uh, 10 Books Black Women Should Read in Order to Slay or something like that. So I write it, um, it goes live, and I post it on my Facebook page. It's just like, oh, guest article for lifehack.org, whatever, check it out. I left, I, I got off Facebook or whatever, went back to doing what I was doing. Um, and a couple of hours later, I come back to Facebook and I'm having all these notifications like not even like 10 20 I'm talking about like hundreds of notifications that this post is literally being shared and I go to the original post that I posted and it had been shared on my page alone like 300 times and people are tagging me and like you know how like I can work with you but I may not be Facebook friends with you so like 
people were sharing it so much. People that, that I knew that I wasn't connected with on Facebook was in the comments like, oh, I know Jazz. Like, I know mm-hmm. Jazz. So by, by like week two, I went to the original post and it had been shared like over 40,000 times. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, snap. Like, maybe I ain't gonna give up. Like, <laughs> again, that was the validation of like you have something that's special. Like don't don't just give up because in the moment or in that time you're not getting the results that you want. Keep going, keep be persistent. Um, because literally you have something that people love. So that was like really a, a downside or something that started off to be terrible for me. And I was literally moments away from giving up. And it turned out to be one of the biggest highlights of my career with the the fear hurdler that's amazing just to even have that moment especially at a time like that when you're getting ready to call it completely quits right and then have that happen in a totally different way than how you originally even expected it to happen right it's awesome and it also it always reminds me have you read the alchemist I did, yes. Yo, did. So that's my book right now. I read that book yeah, at least a great book. twice a year. And it, you think about it at the end when he's he's seeing people turn around because they're tired of looking for their treasure. That's the moment he's like, oh, I know the treasure's around the corner because this is mm-hmm. where everybody's giving up. And I think we can come to that point so many times in our life where we're like, oh, it's time to give up. But right when you have that moment where you feel like giving up, you got to give it one more try because that's usually when your breakthroughs come in. Yes, I love that. And I think everyone has a story to tell. What um, tangible steps or advice can you give to someone who wants to write a book or what's something that you wish you would have known from the beginning? Oh, man. Oh, so many lessons. I think I I learned so many lessons writing this book because it was a five-year journey for me. Um, so the first thing I would say is um, don't discount your thought. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we can have a, a thought for a book or something, and we may feel like, uh, maybe it should just be a Facebook post, or maybe it should just be a blog post. But if you have that great thought, just keep going with it and and don't discount it as something that's minor and that people don't care about because it, it has value is value there so that would be the first thing second thing is uh almost like uh don't or, or be persistent um because there were so many times in my book writing process where I could have literally gave up and sometimes I almost tried to uh because I, for example, I wrote the first, I, I wrote the first draft, um, probably took me like a year. And then, cause I kept picking it up, putting it down. And then, um, I went back and reread while I had written and I was like, this ain't good. Like I want this, my, oh, this is my first book. I wanted to be good. So I literally trashed everything, started again. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. So started writing again. And then, um, I went to my mentor gifted me. Uh, tickets to go see Lisa Nichols in her speak and write conference and so I went there and I left and I was like I'm trashing everything so I came back deleted everything started again right so I wrote it from that point it took me maybe like two months um, after that I um, then hired an editor um, this guy that I knew of and um, it literally the first couple of meetings um, things were great and then for like six seven months 
I literally got no edits back. Like, uh, we would meet up, and it was always a reason why I didn't have anything. So finally, at the end, I was like, uh, like I need to separate, and I need to hire somebody else. And so I hired a new editor. So it was all so many times in this process where I could have been like, you know, bump this. I ain't doing it no more. So you have to be persistent. Um, the third thing I would say is stand stand firm uh, because you're making a lot uh, of choices through this process. So uh, and people will always get you to like veer away from the idea or even something as simple as like the book cover art. Like if, if if that's something that you want and you feel that it will um, talk to your readers, don't back down just because someone else disagrees. If that's something you stand strong with, stand firm in your decisions and move forward and don't let them like sway you off just because they have a different opinion, because they have a different vision than what you have. So uh, stand firm. Uh, and the last thing I would say is... Um, don't be afraid to tell about like your gifts or like um, amplify what you're doing. Um, Because sometimes when we do something as big as write a book or, or we're creating something, um, sometimes we feel like we're too much. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much about this. or I don't want to talk too much about that. Um, But you continually telling about, your book that's coming out or a video that you did will bring more people to you. Um, and also it gets people accustomed to what you are doing. Um, so they can see what you're doing. They can find out more about it and they can tell other people about what you're doing. Cause sometimes we can be shy when we're working on something um, or put something out. So those are some tidbits I would say um, for anybody, you know, creating a book or just creating period. And did you go the self-publishing route? Yeah, I went self-publishing route. Um, How was that process? It was, like I said, it was a learning experience because um, one thing my mentor um, always say, like, you don't know what you don't know. So it was a lot that um, I didn't figure out until I was in it. And so, but I would have never figured it out by just like a basic research of it. Um, So for example, when it came to the first editor that I was working with, he was going to do all my editing. And so when I talked to my new editor and I was telling her kind of about my situation, she was like, um, honestly, this is the thing. This is something that a lot of first time authors go through. So like what you're going through isn't like, um, you know, like sometimes we feel like we're in it alone, um, but Mm -hmm. it was something that a lot of people go through. Um, and the next thing she was like, um, there's, you know, different types of editors. So you have an editorial editor. I think that's what it's called, where they kind of shape the story and they tell you, all right, let's take this part out or add a little bit more here. And then you have more of a technical uh, editor who goes through and like does the, the grammar part um, and make sure like sentences are formatted correctly. And then you have like a formatting editor who literally just formats everything to get ready for print and all this time I thought you just needed one person and they was gonna do all right. that <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh I thought I just needed one person but until I was in it I didn't really realize that you needed those you know those 
different people to do different things and to focus on those different things versus trying to do everything and dropping a ball here, there, and the third. Um, and just like even little things like making sure like the next time um, or my next book, I'll know to put a timeline in the contract, you know, so uh, they're not, the editor's not dragging their feet and just like kind of doing things when they want to. So it's just little things that you only figure out when you're in the fire. And I, I thought I had did my my research. Like I was, <laughs> you know, I was on Google every day. Right. Uh, Google <laughs> University. <laughs> right. But it's some things you just don't know until, you know, like you're in it and you experience it yourself. And, you know, like you're going to take losses, but um, it's only a loss if you don't learn from it. So I learned so much from from this process. So. And what do you want us to know about the woman behind the hustle? What don't we see behind it all? Man, um, I think the woman behind the hustle is that I'm just like you. I have insecurities. I have fears. I have doubts. Um, but the thing is, I push through all of it. I think sometimes, like, even if I, you know, if I watch, you know, uh, today Beyonce drop Homecoming, so, like, you know, sometimes we can think, look at these big stars and think, like, they're big stars. They don't, they're not experiencing what I'm experiencing right now. Like, we're different. Like, they got all this money. But I'm sure Beyonce has the same doubts and fears. Are people going to like this? Is this good enough? I'm sure that everybody has the same thoughts and ideas. But the only difference is they don't let those thoughts stop them from doing what they are called to do. And sometimes we can look at them, think that they don't have it, and that's why they're exceeding. But it it just goes to show us that anybody can succeed, but you just got to get over those emotions. Absolutely. And what's next for you? Who do you have coming up? Yeah, so coming up, I'm actually getting ready to embark on a five-city book tour. Uh, Yeah, so um, May 4th, I'll be in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, May 10th, I'll be in Charlotte, North Carolina. May 18th, I'll be in D.C. Uh, June 30th, I'll be in New York City. And um, still uh, more information to come about the Atlanta stops. So um, for most of the stops, it's going to be like a, uh, when I think of like the vibe you'll get, it's like a ratchet Super Soul Sunday. Right, right. So um, in each city, um, I have a co-host and we'll just be having a very uh, transparent conversation about the book, but also about just overcoming fears and, and, you know, attendees will really leave feeling not only empowered, but you have you ever been to an event and you leave and you're like, I got to work on this right now. Like I yes. have to work on this. Like that's how attendees will leave feeling. Um, so that's the big thing uh, that's next is the book tour will be going through the summer. Um, and then uh, later in the year here in Charlotte, I'll be doing um, a couple more workshops. Um, at the beginning of the year, I did my first workshop, a vision board party. So doing more um, just practical um, takeaway type work workshops um, in the city and also probably the beginning of next year be dropping a group coaching program as well so a lot going on over here <laughs> awesome and this part of the show I call the real deal moment it just takes a deeper look at the woman behind the hustle mm-hmm. so how do you define self-care and what does that look like for you 
Mm, self-care so I think sometimes we think of self-care as only like pampering like you know going to get massages and taking baths but um I like to look at it as just paying attention and caring for Jasmine so um not only like taking care of my health but also like my mental space like not letting uh negativity in my space like if the conversation is getting negative or people are gossiping Nah, like we're not doing that today or changing the subject of that. I have to remove myself from that conversation because that's um, important to my self-care um, and also just being nice to myself and not beating myself down um, and getting enough sleep, <laughs> yeah. getting enough sleep. And that's the challenge right there. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and, and just relaxing and, and, and letting my mind take a break. Sometimes, sometimes we can get into the hustle and the bustle and the grind that we we almost like have to, our body has to break down in order for us to take the break but um just reminding myself to relax and do things i enjoy like reading um and journaling checking checking in on, like that's how i check in on myself like i like to journal just to you know talk about what's going on in my head and getting that out so that's kind of what self care looks for looks like for me and then what's a quote or a verse or mantra that keeps you encouraged um, actually mine would have to be, uh, from Joshua one, um, where God is, is, is kind of, uh, giving Joshua his instructions and within nine verses, God tells them to be strong and courageous. And he keeps saying, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. So that's like my, um, mantra that I repeat all the time when I'm coming up something new or the unknown or fears trying to get in the way. I just kind of complete, uh, I, I, I say that to myself to remind myself to be strong and courageous and that God is always with me. And that always helps me feel better to move forward. And then what's a tool or app or something that helps you manage your life or work that you couldn't live without? Um, I'm kind of simple. So, (laughs) My tools would be uh, Evernote and Dropbox. Like, have you ever had like an idea pop in your head and then like 20 minutes later, you're like, I know it was good. Like, but what was right. it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what was it? So like Evernote, like I have tons of notes where I just, when things come to my head, I have to jot it down so I don't forget it. And Dropbox is just great to keep things in a central location that I can access everywhere. Um, so th- those would be the two Evernote and, and the Dropbox at, at, app. What do you want people to say about you when you aren't in the room? Um, I would say it's not more about me, but more of like what my impact allowed them to do. Like, um, like Jasmine just makes me want to be a better person. Like, because Jasmine, oh, I saw Jasmine do, like, I do a lot of content, um, a lot of videos, and, like, maybe they see a video, and they're like, man, I saw that video Jazz did, and now I want to go after my dream. So it's more of, like, I want people to um, feel the impact of the work that I'm doing and inspire them to go do something that they are passionate about. So that's why I want them to have conversations about me when I'm not in the room. And fill in the blank. My name is, and one truth about the hustle is. Um, my name is Jasmine Hill, and one thing about the hustle that it can be hard, it can be scary, but you can do this. Yes, absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much, Jasmine, for being on the show today and sharing your story with our listeners. Please let me know, let them know how they can connect with you. Um, you can always connect with me through my website at www.thefearhurdler. Um, also, of course, on all social media platforms, I'm the Fear Hurdler. Um, but I hang out the most on Instagram. So there you can check out my uh, weekly video series, Fearless Tips of the Week. And also if scripture was in the Urban Dictionary. Yes, it's as funny as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I want to check that out. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty dope if I had to say so myself. Thank you so much for listening to the episode today. If you're one of my listeners who listens week after week, thank you so much for tuning in every week. If you're connecting with the information and the topics, please leave a review or just a rating and share with other people so that the podcast can get spread around and that everyone can get this knowledge and hear these inspirational stories. You can connect with Girl Behind the Hustle on Instagram or Facebook at Girl Behind the Hustle or by email at heygirl at girlbehindthehustle.com. Until next week, hustle and grace.